Hello, everyone out there, my fellow dream chasers and entrepreneurs and big thinkers and those that are out there changing the world, doing big things. Thanks for tuning back in to another episode of the Dreamology podcast. Super excited to have you here. If you hear some noise today in the background, it's it's pretty it's pretty crazy storm outside right now. So there might be a little bit of thunder in the background, but it shouldn't be too loud. So hopefully it doesn't impact the audio too much here. Today's episode is the first episode that I am reading of a book summary. And I want to start doing these more often on the podcast because I am a book nerd. I am reading books 24-7 and I'm learning every single day lessons from the greatest, greatest teachers that are out there in the world. And it feels like it's my duty to pass those messages on to my listeners and to those who choose to listen to my podcast. And so that's what I'm doing here today. In the book that I recently read that I wanted to start with is called Braving the Wilderness by Brene Brown. And the reason why I chose this book is because I read it and I felt in my heart that it was exactly what the world needed right now. She talks a lot about this idea that we have a desire to embrace our full authentic selves, but we also want to be part of something bigger than ourselves. And so how do we hold those two things together? And what's fascinating is that I feel like we're coming to an interesting point in society's evolution. So way back when, human beings were very tribal, right? That was, you stuck to your tribe, somebody not from your tribe was an enemy, and that is how the world operated. Now, there were some clear flaws with that system, and over time, America and other developed countries kind of evolved more into this individualistic type of mentality where it's all about me, I'm going to do my thing, and that's all that matters, just me, me, me. Well, something felt wrong about this too, because as this happened, the world became more lonely, mental health issues became a bigger deal. And a lot of people came to the conclusion that life is not meant to be lived alone. It's meant to be lived together. We are all a part of the same species, the race of humanity. And so with Gen Z, what is interesting is that they're calling it the me to we movement. One of the deepest desires of this modern day generation is exactly what I said at the beginning, to find a sense of authenticity and belonging to yourself, but also becoming a part of something bigger than yourself. And so that's what we're going to be talking about here today. You know, a lot of you out here listening are entrepreneurs, are dream chasers. And as we know, that path and that road can be very lonely. And also you can feel different because you are different. You know, you're doing something that is uniquely you. And so all of us are different in that sense. And so along this path, how do we own that? How do we own who we are and yet still feel connected to something that is bigger than ourselves? And along the way, I'm going to just touch on a few other things in this book because it's so powerful and it's so relatable to what's going on in the world where she talks about, again, how to have tough conversations about whether it be race or politics or just your general beliefs, right? She just really touches on how do we show up for these conversations and there's basically four categories that she touches on and things she labels and those four things are number one people are hard to hate close up move in 
Number two, speak truth to bullshit. Be civil. Number three, hold hands with strangers. And number four, strong back, soft front, wild heart. And so we'll get into those four th- uh, four things in a second. But before we dive in, I just want to jump into kind of the beginning of the book, a few different quotes that I liked, and then we will go through just some of the key ideas here, and I will have you off and running on your day. So here is what she says. Chapter one starts off with some very basic ideas. You always belong anywhere you show up as yourself and talk about yourself and your work in a real way. So what she's getting at here is that at the root of belonging is you showing up as yourself. It's not about fitting in. It's not about assimilating to the crowd because truly when we don't feel like we belong is when we feel like we aren't able to act like our full selves, right? And so that is the base of this. And really, you know, the next part of how she defines this is, you know, belonging is really the innate human desire to be part of something larger than ourselves. And because this yearning is so primal, we often try to acquire it by fitting in and by seeking approval, which are not only hollow substitutions for belonging, but often barriers to it. Because true belonging only happens when we present our authentic, imperfect selves to the world, our sense of belonging can never be greater than our sense and our level of self-acceptance. Man, how powerful is that? So the real goal here is we want to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. We want to experience real connection with others, but not at the cost of our authenticity, freedom, or power. And so today, that is what we're going to be talking about. So before we dive into these four components, just a few more things she shared that I really, really, really enjoyed. Again, another definition of belonging here. True belonging is the spiritual practice in believing in and belonging to yourself so deeply that you can share your most authentic self with the world and find sacredness in both being a part of something bigger than yourself and standing alone in the wilderness. True belonging doesn't require you to change who you are. It requires you to be who you are. And now here's the thing. So she jumps into a little bit of explaining why this is so important. Right now, the world is struggling. There is a high lonesome spiritual crisis. It's an epidemic, some are even calling it. And I know in the world of COVID, epidemic is a word we shouldn't use lightly. But hear me out here. In a meta-analysis of studies on loneliness, researchers found that living with air pollution increases your your odds of dying early by 5%. Living with obesity, 20%. Excess drinking, 30%. Living with loneliness, it increases our odds of dying early by 45%. And a reason why loneliness is tapping into this entire world and taking over it is that one, that's how the system is designed. So, you know, to grow into adulthood as a social species, it's not about becoming autonomous and solitary. It's about becoming someone others can depend on. And whether we know it or not, our brain and our biology have been shaped to favor this outcome. And so our world right now is very designed for humans to live on their own, to be autonomous, and to try to do things their own way and be quote-unquote independent. So this is not favoring connection and togetherness. But another big part of it 
is the fact that we don't know how to embrace ourselves and who we are and step into the world and be a part of something bigger than ourselves. And she says, you know, and this is so powerful and we'll touch it on again later, is what's really happened in the world is that there's been this sorting, right? There's been this sorting that's happening where people's beliefs are becoming more and more split. Politics is a great way to describe this, the far left and the far right. And so people have been sorting into kind of their own clusters and into like-minded, you know, hanging out with like-minded people. But now the thing is, is you would think that this would have brought people closer together. Oh, great. Here I am. I am close to my people. They're close to their people. Life is good. Well, the answer to that, did people come closer together as the world started operating like this, was a surprising and resounding no, according to Brene. At the same time, this sorting is on the rise. So is loneliness. So what's truly happening here? Why is this happening? Why am I not feeling a sense of wholeness? Why can I not step in to my authentic self and really own who that is? And that's where the four components come in. And so these are four things that she says, if you do, you will feel a deeper sense of connection to yourself and to the world. And so here we go. Part one, people are hard to hate close up. Move in. And so this is touching on it again, right? So if I'm in one group of like-minded individuals, the world has fallen into this trap where we have the ability to hate large groups of strangers because the members of those groups that I happen to know are the exceptions, right? And this can be applied to racism, to people who support certain political beliefs, to anything, right? You say, oh, yeah, yeah, well, you know, racists could say, well, no, I have black friends, but they're not like the other ones. Or, no, I have friends who support this candidate, but they're not like the other ones who, who you know, support them. And when the reality is, is that, the people that we know, that is reality. And what Brene says is, what if, we ex- what if what we experience close up is real? And what if, if, what if what we hear on the news and from the mouths of politicians who are jockeying for power, what if they're wrong? You know, It is really hard to hate people close up. It's really hard to get close to things, understand them, and see that, oh, wait, you know what? we're actually all the same. You know, we all have the same desires, all have the same needs, all have the same, you know, ideals about the things we want in the world. And so what happens is if you hate people from far away and you refuse to get close up, you feel isolated. You feel like like you are in your own bubble, they are in their own bubble, and you're leading with hate, and that's all that's happening. But when you allow yourself to move closer, when you allow yourself to truly connect with others, who have different opinions and different perspectives than you do, which everyone does in their own certain way, it allows you to see that we're all on this common ground of, okay, yes, we have all have different belief systems and we all have different ideals about the world. And some of those ideals are very, very misguided and, and have caused a lot of people a lot of pain. But at the core of humanity, we want connection, we want safety, we want security, we want to feel whole. And the more you move in, the more you can see that in others. The more you can see that, okay, the majority of us, not all of us, but the majority of us are really closer together than we think. And one of the big issues with this that we've seen 
And it's actually been, you know, the primary instrument of violence that has been used in pretty much every genocide recorded throughout history is this idea of dehumanization, right? You look at it with, with, with Black Lives Matter, for example, right? You know, you can't undo the level of dehumanizing that happened through slavery in just one or two generations. Because people might say, well, if all, if all humans matter, if all humans are on the same level, then shouldn't we just say all lives matter? And Bernays says no, because the humanity wasn't stripped of everyone's lives. It was stripped of black citizens. And so in order for slavery to work, in order for us to buy and sell and trade people like animals, we had to dehumanize them. And whether we, you know, as listeners or me speaking this directly participated in that or not, we are a member of a culture that once normalized that behavior. It shaped us. We can't undo that. And so what Brene says is, you know, a thing like a movement like Black Lives Matter is really a movement to rehumanize black citizens. And so this is really the idea here, right? We need to rehumanize the world. In order to feel connected, we can't go around with these beliefs where we are hating groups of strangers from far away because the truth is we are scared to get close. And so now you might be thinking, okay, I get it, Tim. I get it. Get closer to the issues. But what do I do? How do I get close and how do I approach a conversation with someone? Because I actually truly believe that conversation is the one, one of the most important steps because we have to be able to hold a space for people to share their different perspectives and different opinions. And so here's the thing Brene says that I thought was super powerful. The underlying intention is the most important part. Start there. The first step being where are we now? Where are we? What is my intention with this conversation? So maybe somebody has a complete opposite view of you going into a conversation. You say, hey, my intention with this is to learn more about your perspectives, to make you feel heard. In return, I would like to share my perspectives and just see what we can learn from each other and how we can help each other grow. Now imagine if we stepped into conversations like that instead of just attacking someone's beliefs, attacking their identity, and attacking, you know, how they're choosing to do, you know, their work in the world. We'd make a lot more progress because people would be more open to change. They wouldn't close themselves off and fight it off. So step one is where are we now? And step two is where do we want to be moving towards, right? Where do we want to be moving towards? And through that, you can come to a general understanding, right? And one of the most courageous things you can say in a conversation that you don't feel comfortable in is tell me more. Learn more about others' perspectives. Learn more about what they're feeling. Because at the core of it, again, at the true core, even if beliefs may be complete opposite, at the true core, a lot of similar emotions and feelings are guiding all of human behavior. And so this process can be tough of, of moving in. Um, and you know what Bernay reminds you to do is to remind yourself, you know what, you're doing the best you can. You're going to allow yourself authentic self to be seen in the world and respect others when they present their authentic self. And then you're going to go further. You're not going to be afraid to push, to put it out there, to not leave anything on the floor. And so step one is that people are hard to hate close up. Move in. Step two is speak truth to bullshit. Be civil. And this is where, again, the world of there's only two options is really taking a toll on this idea of belonging and authenticity because in philosophy, 
the, the when people say you're either with us or you're against us, it's a false dichotomy or it's a false dilemma. It's basically forcing people to choose a side and it's presenting an, a scenario that's saying no other alternatives exist. And that statement is usually always factually wrong. And it's turning an emotion-driven approach into weaponized belonging, saying, hey, you know, you can't fit in with us or you can't, you can't be with us or you can't do with us. If, if you don't do this or believe this. And the reality is, is that there is always other options. There is always other th- ways you can do something. And the idea is to present it with, you know, with some civility, right? And, and that is claiming and caring for one's identities, needs, and beliefs without degrading someone else's in the process. And so again, how do we move into these scenarios and these, these ideals and, and present our authentic self to the world and be confident in it without degrading someone else's views at the same exact time. And again, what we're pushing really is a fitting in culture. And when we push a fitting in culture, we're missing the opportunity to help people find their personal drive, what's coming from their heart. Leading from true belonging is about creating a culture that celebrates uniqueness. And so when you speak truth to bullshit, and you're being civil about it, you're finding ways to present your authentic self to the world, present your beliefs and your ideas to the world in a way that allows us to celebrate our own uniqueness, to learn from each other, and to all come up together instead of judging or hating or demonizing another person for what they choose to believe. The third step is holding hands with strangers right? How do we feel more connected to the world? Well, really, it's about showing up for collective moments of joy and pain so we can actually bear witness to inextricable human connection. The reality is, is that we are wired for connection. But the key is that in any given moment, it has to be real. And think about it. There is a reason why we love, as Brene calls it, collective assembly. And collective assembly is is what she calls the experiences that are filled with a sense of meaning, positive effect, and increased sense of a social, of a social connection. And so examples are like, you know, why, why do we love customs or pilgrimage, pilgrimages or feast days, or, or why we love gathering at protests or sporting events or concerts, right? How amazing are concerts? Like music is one of the most powerful forms of collective joy, because we all know that feeling when we're in a place like that, we feel like we are losing a sense of self. When you're watching a sports game, when you're at a concert, you feel totally removed from your own being and you feel connected to everyone there who is a part of that event, of that experience, right? And collective pain is the same way, right? I just went out to the marches and the celebrations for life for George Floyd and I felt this collective pain. But what it reminded me was that in our darkest moments, we're not alone. And that our broken heart is connected to every heart that has ever known pain since the beginning of time. And so when we show up for these moments, we remind ourselves that, hey, the world is connected. We are connected. Obviously, right now in the world, it's very hard to do this because there isn't a lot of things like concerts and sporting events and big, you know, big things that we can come together. But it's important to remember that that those things happen for a reason. Those things are the core of reminding us of the power that human connection has. So another part, an aspect of holding hands with strangers 
is talking about social media, right? Because how many of us are on social media, all of us, right? And what Bernays says is that social media is like a fire, literally. You can use them to keep yourself warm and nourished, or you can burn down the barn. And again, it all depends on your attentions, expectations, and reality checking skills. And so really what she says here is, look, social medias are great, especially for young entrepreneurs out there, building your brand, connecting people, cultivating community, but only to the extent that they're actually used to create real community with real purpose and real some face-to-face connection, right? If we're just living our lives behind a screen, again, we are staying far away from what's actually happening in the world. So again, like she says, social medias are great for developing community, real connection, real empathy, but it's only the starting point. It's only the catalyst. And so what we can do is we can use these tools, these online tools to create spaces offline and to connect and to really become a part of something bigger than ourselves offline, right? And if we do that in a sincere way with good intentions, we can do a lot of good things in the world. But if we are on social media, and that is our form of connecting with the world, and all we're doing is seeing other people's, um, you know, people out there who are trying to burn down the barn, and we get into that mindset, all of a sudden, we are not holding hands with strangers. We are going far and far away from a feeling of connection, and social media has led to a lot of feelings of isolation for a lot of people. And so the last thing about holding hands with strangers is being yourself around strangers. Think about children, right? Children are unapologetically and wholeheartedly themselves. They lean into experiences. A children at a playground, a, a child wherever, right? They, they will just do things and they don't care, right? Adults, some yes, some not. Teens, not too much, right? We're, we're mortified, right? And it's not just of showing pain, it's showing joy. And it's being vulnerable to letting people, you know, say, you know, how childish would it be if, if, if I was with my workers and I wanted to go down a slide at, at, a, at a park? But who cares? Or I want to dance or I want to sing or I want to, sh- you know, wear my hair this way or I want to express my joy for music or tattoos or art or, or entrepreneurship, right? Allow yourself to feel both joy and pain. They're both vulnerable experiences. Lean into experiences either way. Because if you live in the middle ground, if you live in this middle ground of I'm not going to dive into joy, I'm not going to dive into pain, you're never going to feel that connection to yourself or others. So number four, the final step, strong back, soft front, wild heart. So the reality is that once we start to stand up for our beliefs, as Brene says, says, the bar is set higher right? We're setting a bar higher for, our, for ourselves. And, a, and a, our wild heart, as she calls it, is starting to fight this idea of fitting in. And we are going for this idea of belonging. And really what she says is, look, you know, we all want to have a strong back, feel like we can support ourselves, and we know what to do in times of, of trouble or in times of hardship. 100% totally agree. The issue with this is that most of us approach life with an armored front. And for two reasons. We're not comfortable with emotions and we equate vulnerability with weakness. Or two, our experiences of trauma have taught us that vulnerability is actually dangerous. 
And now the issue with having an armored front is that vulnerability is the birthplace of love, joy, trust, intimacy, and courage. Basically everything that brings meaning to our life. And so we have a few options in this, right? Our few options are we can live, you know, we can armor this pain and we can deny it, or we can find the courage to own the pain, own our emotions, and develop a level of empathy and compassion for yourself and others that allows you to spot hurt in the world in a unique way and to bring this soft front with you everywhere you go. And so this is the big thing, right? Strong back, be strong on your own, but present a soft front to the world. Allow your emotions to be seen. Allow your pains to be shared and connect with others. Teach others, help us, right? Pain is obviously a, a, a very big path to purpose, right? That is how a lot of people find their purpose in the world. They go through something and they say, I don't want anyone to go through what I went through. I'm gonna help them go through that. And so if we can attack the world with an open front, an open heart, a wild heart, right? Courageously expressing ourselves to the world at the masses and doing what we feel like we wanna do and how we wanna do it without intruding or making anyone else feel demeaned in the process, this is truly how we can step into the world and be ourselves. Because at the end of the day, like I said at the beginning, true belonging is the spiritual practice of believing in and belonging to yourself so deeply that you can share your most authentic self with the world and find sacredness in both being a part of something and standing alone by yourself. True belonging doesn't require you to change who you are. It requires you to be who you are. And finally, if you are somebody out there who is a little bit like me, who always has felt like they're different, right? I'm entrepreneurial minded. I have these different ideals and different beliefs about the world. And a part of me because of that felt a little bit not accepted and a little bit like I didn't belong. But what in reality it was, is I was just avoiding fitting in. And so her closing message for people is stop walking through the world looking for confirmation that you don't belong because you will always find it because you've made that your mission. Stop scouring people's faces for evidence that you're not enough. You will always find it because you've made that your goal. True belonging and self-worth are not goods. We don't negotiate their value with the world. The truth about who we are lives in our hearts. Our call to courage is to protect our wild heart against constant evaluation, especially our own. No one belongs here more than you. And isn't that a great reminder as we close this out? We are all the same. We are all human beings. No one belongs more than we do. No one deserves something more than we do. You and me are just like everybody else out there in the world. We're looking for the same things. We want to do big things, right? And so as you step out into the world, somebody who is a big dream chaser, an entrepreneur, a big thinker, and wants to do big things with their life, remember this, remember this episode, remember these lessons, which is saying that in order to really belong in this world, you have to belong to yourself. You have to love yourself, embrace yourself, be it yourself, and you have to create space for others to do the same. And now this is a journey, this is a process, but this is what will bring you success happiness. It'll give you some crazy times, some roller coasters, right? You have to be willing to be out there and be in the wilderness, as Bernays says. But this is what's going to lead you towards that life that you want, towards a high level of impact. It's going to allow you to connect with others 
and when you can connect with others, you can see others' true problems. When you can see others' true problems, you can find solutions to those problems. And if you are someone who creates solutions for people's big problems, then you are going to be a very wealthy and successful human being. And so, in close, the four things where people are hard to hate close up, move in, speak truth to bullshit, and be civil. Three, hold hands with strangers. And four, strong back, soft front, wild heart. These are Brene's four tips for how do we embrace who we are, present our authentic self to the world, but also feel connected and feel like we are part of something bigger than ourselves. And so take out the notes in your phone, write down one thing that you took away from this interview, one really, really important note, write it down because you'll remember it better, share it with me on social media stories or wherever you wanna share it with me, DM me, text me, email me, whatever it might be, I wanna hear what takeaway you had from this episode. Brene's work is truly some of the work that this world needs right now. Vulnerability, connection, empathy, compassion. All these things are so powerful, not only in your entrepreneurial world and the dreams that you want to chase, but in the world in general. We are moving toward this idea of being global citizens, of being totally connected. And I think that this book and a lot of her work is pushing us in that direction. And so I hope you enjoyed this first book summary. I will be sharing the work of a lot of leaders from mindset to psychology to neuroscience to business to entrepreneurship growth, whatever it might be. So I'm going to be sharing with you the best of the best and the top researchers work in the world. So I'm excited to be able to do that. And I'm excited that you are here with me on this journey. And so with all that being said, take this information, go out there, make your dream life a reality, and I will see you next time.